Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. All right, welcome back, people of the internet, to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And this week we've got a whole bunch of stuff. First of all, we want to talk about what happened to Apple's repair program, along with iFixit partnering with some big smartphone companies. Really interesting. And I also have some thoughts and some uh, some experiences to share with YouTube's comments section lately. We made a video about it, but there's a lot going on. Uh, and we also, of course, have our trivia questions at the end of every episode, this new little thing we've started that I really enjoy already. Maybe because I got the first ones right, yeah. but it's a fun when time. When you're two and zero, it's easy to enjoy. It is yeah. a good time. Maybe I, I go zero and two. But first, we got to talk about this new DeLorean teaser because yeah. I saw it. Here's the thing: nostalgia typically doesn't hit me. It just yeah. doesn't. I don't know what it is. Like we go through retro tech, and like I see the Game Boy, and it's cool, but I never used one, so it doesn't hit me. And mm-hmm. like I see these older pieces of tech, and people. We just had the the analog pocket and like everyone loved that thing because it's very similar to the old Game Boy, but yep. it just didn't hit me. But I saw this uh, this DeLorean EV teaser. Are we assuming it's an EV? I think we, no, we pretty no, much they know. said it's an EV, yeah. Okay, so we got a new teaser for the, De- the DeLorean Motor Company tweeted, let's clear things up a bit. The next generation of DeLorean is coming into focus August 18th, 2022. For more information, please read the press release here. And we got a little teaser image of yeah. it looks like, I mean, all it is is a back left quarter of what looks like a sick looking like Lotus shaped sports car. We got the tail light, which is uh-huh. bars. I'm such a sucker for bar tail lights. I love them. They did this one really well too. Cause it's like one bar all the way across the top and then <laughs> so a couple good. little bars to like round square out where the to headlight give it the should light. be. I think it looks really good. It's from got it, a sleek little. mirror. It's got the arrow. I am fully going against all of the warnings that I've given people for so long about how like a prototype EV is easy to make, but they better actually ship yeah, the thing. I, that's I, something... I'm in on nostalgia. <laughs> I want the DeLorean EV. I want to talk about that a little later, but we'll, okay. we'll go through this first. There is one more teaser image. And when I was reading this at first, I was very confused because they called them, the other teaser image is like almost all black, but it shows the doors up in the air. Yeah. And they called them gold doors. And I had no idea what that meant. The going, yeah. But like a seagull flapping. Oh. I'm assuming that's what that means. That's why they're called that. Yeah. Because like, yeah. if you're unfamiliar with the DeLorean from Back to the Future, which most people know about, it's a car from the 80s. And it's like, uh, looks like all metal, scrappy, like 
sports car coupe, except that the doors rather than opening normally and rather than like a Lamborghini, what do they call those? Those are suicide doors? I thought suicide was when like oh, it no. has two and they both open from the same yeah, interior. Uh, some other bird. It's like wait. They're, oh, man. Yeah, spider like door. I don't know. Whatever. You've okay. seen the doors. You've so, seen the doors. So these literally just like, I guess kind of like the Model X, right? They open like the Model X. Yeah, where Model it's X like goals. The yeah. hinge is on the roof of the car and the they just open up and it looks like a bird flapping its wings. Yeah. That's like kind of what the like cool aspect of the car was back then or one of the cool aspects of the car. Um, so there is a teaser image that confirms that that is also... Nice. One of the things. Nice. Um, so this is going to be debuting at Pebble Beach in August. I believe it's August 18th. So the company is actually called DMC, and DeLorean, I believe, is the model of the car. But DMC, the CEO of DMC has come back or has come onto a podcast and like mentioned some extra stuff because like the teasers went kind of wild. Everybody, obviously, nostalgic-wise, wanted to know about this. He said a couple of things that I thought were kind of strange, so I wanted to like go over them with you. Okay, let's um, hear. So the first thing he says is, "This is it's going to have the obvious benefits of an EV, but mm. it's not going to be like a hypercar EV with a zero to sixty in two seconds." But then he also says he wants it to be extremely competitive in the market as a driver car and still be in the top five. I in don't know top. what that means. I'm assuming it's, still of like acceleration or speed or something like that. Like, but it, it just feels like a weird way to say like, we want this to be a fast EV by starting off with saying, we're not going to be this, which okay. that at that point is a EV that goes zero to 16 under two seconds, which the only one we know of right now is the Roadster, which isn't even out yet. So the Plaid is one. Oh, the Plaid. Yeah. Okay. So like, so cool, I guess. No one was expecting you to be that, but then to still say we're going to be in top five, so we're assuming under three seconds, probably. Yeah, it's funny because when you go top five, the first thing I hear when I hear that is like, "Oh, is this like a sort of a translation error, or is he not fluent? Maybe, and maybe he meant to say like under five seconds or something." But if you say top five, then I literally go, "Okay, well then, Roadster's two seconds. We got like a couple going two point five seconds, and then we got three seconds. So maybe top five lands yet like three point two seconds or something. I don't know if that's exactly what he meant to say, but yeah, sure. It I seems I, I I like the realism. I don't want you to go out and say like we're gonna make a DeLorean. It's yeah. gonna go crazy. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be the the number one EV ever made. Because then immediately I put my EV skeptic hat back yes. on, where I go, oh no, Very this is fair. never gonna ship. Yeah. So I like the realism. I like the realism. And another thing he said um, that I really liked that he said this is he does not expect this to be an iPad on wheels that he's focused. First priority is being a driver's car. Second priority is potentially autonomous and self-driving and stuff like that, which is like, sure. I think more companies should do this. I think there's way too many companies who are like, here's our first EV. It's going to have a bunch of these crazy self-driving things, and it's going to have like great range, and it's going to have a fast zero to sixty. It's like we're going to have everything that EVs have worked. Mostly, Tesla has worked on for ten years. They should right in off this, the bat. this car. They should tell us the zero to eighty-eight miles per hour time. That they should just tell us great that marketing material. Yeah, you're very right. That's the only time that matters in the DeLorean, isn't it? <laughs> I don't care how fast it gets to sixty. I want to get to exactly eighty-eight. And then every single time a car has to. Um, like fight it by saying it has a faster zero to 88. They're basically getting free marketing from that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a genius move. They should hire you for their marketing team. <laughs> You're welcome to learn. Yeah. And so there is one other thing here that I thought was kind of interesting. 
so this the DeLorean hasn't been around for 40 years. Mm-hmm. These people haven't made a car for 40 years. So they mentioned that the e, this DeLorean EV is going to kind of be their their launch and their Kickstarter into making more EVs because they said they won't be able to survive on only on. making a coupe, a coupe sports car. Yep. Which makes total sense. But when I first saw this, I was like, I actually think this is going to do really well because the amount of people who want to buy a DeLorean are fairly small. This feels like it's going to be pretty niche, but like because of that, you're not expecting to hit crazy numbers and stuff like that. Yeah. So I was optimistic about this and maybe I'm naive by thinking somebody would want to make a small market car because everyone wants to make a big, big market company. Well, it kind of reminds me of Tesla's master plan. Exactly. Which is we're going to start by making a really low volume, really high cost car, yes. which was for them. It was the original Roadster, actually, which mm-hmm. was a sports car. It was 100 grand, not a lot of sales, but they can use the profits from all of that to develop and then make a slightly higher volume, slightly lower cost car. Mm-hmm. For them, that was basically Model S. And then a higher volume, lower cost car, Model 3. Mm-hmm. So if that's what DeLorean is admitting or DMC is admitting right off the top, we're going to make a low volume, high cost DeLorean. It's going to be our Halo product, but then we're going to go from there. That makes sense to me. It makes sense, but then I think because of that, we need to now think of this as how are we viewing DMC DeLorean as a company and it's really strange because it is a legacy car manufacturer but one that hasn't made a car in 40 years. So I kind of think yeah, I don't know enough about looking this. onto this I need to look at it more of like feeling like this is a startup. Yeah, feels like startup. Right? This feels more startupy and as optimistic as I am about this because like let's be real. The DeLorean is like one of the coolest cars ever. I it is it. 40 years old. Whether you've seen Back to the Future or not, you've probably seen it. In if, if you've seen it in real life, you've taken a picture of it. That's like a guarantee. Unfortunately, I seen one in real life. I was pulling in onto the street to go home. This is like three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I saw one come down the hill and drive by. And I didn't even really process it. I was like, oh, DeLorean. Wait, what? A DeLorean <laughs> is driving by me right now? I didn't get the chance to take a picture, but there's definitely that moment that, you know, that's one of those cars that people will go out and restore. Yeah. And, like, we'll, we'll, might bring up the Restomod F100 in a little bit, but, like, it's cool to see one actually working and driving and, like, actually being used, yeah. even though it's such an old car. So, yeah, I do, I'm rooting for it because that the nostalgia did hit me with this one. Yeah, I did really sure. like it. So I, I really hope it does well. I'll be interested to see where they go after that. Are there like cars after the DeLorean going to be as unique and kind of special? Because that's what this is right now. It's like iconic. It's different. Are are the cars that they say they say they want to do like a sedan or an SUV afterwards because that's four door family car, something more people will buy than like Mm -hmm. the niche DeLorean. So are those going to also be special or is the DeLorean going to show off some sort of technology that maybe they have? I mean, they're claiming they're going to show this off in August. Okay. It's not that far away. Yeah, a couple months away. It also is probably just prototype. Probably or just one rolling prototype. Mm-hmm. Classic. Yep. Yeah. So I think we've got to throw the skeptic goggles on on this mm. as much as I don't want to because I just, I want one and I want us to do a video where we somehow have an old one as well. That's yeah. all I want right now oh. reading this. That'd be sick. Rose colored skeptic glasses. <laughs> yeah. That's where I'm at. Um, yeah. But to, Segue this over. Um, we have another EV that sort of made some kind of crazy claims. Oh, that, you're talking about the 
you and I had a conversation about this the other yeah. day. I kind of want to like just hop back onto it for a quick minute. Um, so we all know Toyota is getting into the EV market. The BZ4X is coming out. I actually think I just saw a tweet that Austin Evans has one or is doing a review on one right now or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to see that. Um, but Lexus, part of Toyota, they just announced their first EV for April 20th. Um, it's going to be called the RZ450E. We have a few teaser images and we have a couple old prototype images. So we kind of have an idea of what it looks like. Um, yeah. The one that's making all the headlines is the shot of the steering wheel, which is it apparently has an optional yoke. You yes. can decide to get a yoke with this. Yeah. This okay. is also another thing. The, the Some of the articles you read about it all were mentioning the yoke, but there's like this little, little tidbit that Lexus threw in there at the end that I feel like caught our eyes rather than the yoke. Um, but yeah. First off, the SUV looks nice. It looks like a Lexus. It'll probably do great because Lexus does great. Toyota sells a bunch of cars. If As long as their EV stuff seems to be doing well, I bet it'll do great. Yeah. But then they also just threw out there, Toyota also noted that they plan to create a Lexus sports car with a range of 434 miles and be able to accelerate 0 to 60 in under two seconds. That's it. What? Just, just <laughs> toss that out there. What? Hold on. Okay. That's when I was like, all right, skeptic hat, right back on. Because yes. I know uh, I know the current car landscape decently well. Lexus has the LFA, like they have some performance cars, but they are not the top of the line, period. Like they're nice, but yeah, they're, not, they're not like bleeding edge performance. Today, zero to 16 under two seconds is literally world-class top of the line. Mm-hmm. So they're not saying when they're going to have a car that also has 434 miles of range and zero to 16 under two seconds. But I think achieving that any time in the next five years would be unbelievable for them. I don't think it would. Zero chance it happens in the next five years. Yeah. I so, think. Yeah. What are they saying? I, they didn't say anything. I think it's just a. Um, so they're saying eventually someday. Yeah. They're making a promise, but not really. Pretty much. So. And I think this is where we I don't want to say butted heads, but like. I will agree with you. This is really weird to just toss out there. Yeah. Wow. I think this is a, but I also think these are numbers that almost any EV manufacturer in the next 25 years will be able to hit. Right, right, right. Because of the way electric works. Yeah. So like if we drew a curve of like the average uh, acceleration for the price, yeah. it kind of goes like this. And it, it evens out right now for gas cars. You can get a five second car, you can get a four second car. But for zero to 60, you can get as low as like 2.3 seconds, and then they all kind of flatten out. You can spend $3 million, and it's Mm -hmm. still going 2.3 seconds. But if you draw a new curve for electric cars, it goes faster for lower price, right? So as we draw this curve, we're going, wow, you can get a three-second car. You can get a 2.5-second car. You can get a truck that goes three seconds. A truck that goes three seconds The Hummer goes three seconds, right? But then as we keep going... I think we might disagree on the the asymptote of that curve. Does it just keep going up? Are we going to get 1.4 second think, cars everywhere? I think we both wound up agreeing that physics is what kills this eventually. 100%. Like tires, road conditions, like air, like some of that stuff is what's going to kill it. Um, if you think about it, though, gas cars have spent how many years trying to get to 2.3? Mm-hmm. Tesla's been around for 10 years and they're under two already. So like right. th- they're unlocking something crazy with electric motors. Um, I don't, I don't even think Toyota gets this in the next 10 years, Yeah, same. but I think there's, there's obviously a possibility of this happening. I don't think it's that crazy. I think it's really weird to throw those numbers out there. I, I definitely think it's but, odd, but yeah, I, I guess 
the way I look at like performance for these cars, especially if we're just looking at straight lines zero to sixties, it's like typically this would be uh, limited by power, gear ratio, and tires. And when we got really, really good electric motors, like powerful, like you have triple motors in these cars now, quad motors. And so they have all of the power in the world and one extremely fast gear. And so the limiting factor immediately became tires. Yeah. And all of these cars with as much power as you give them will spin their tires if you try to go faster or accelerate harder. And so then I'm looking at tire technology and like rubber compounds and how they've gotten better over the years. And that curve looks nothing like the acceleration curve. Yeah, it's but just, if we're talking under two seconds, we have a car that does it already, right? We have a car that does it currently and it is uh, under perfect conditions on a prepped yeah. drag strip with the top of the line tire. Which I'm assuming that's what they're, every car company who's right. gonna try and hit that number is with going perfect to do conditions. something like this, you know, uh, yeah, literally so perfect. So I guess we're gonna give Lexus credit for they will eventually have someday. Oh, I don't need to give them credit. I just think, the, and not just, just because it's Lexus or yeah. Toyota or whatever, I just, it's their bet on EVs becoming a commodity at that level. Yeah, and They're I think saying, like because in twenty five years the and the motors and electricity and batteries and stuff we're seeing in cars right now we're probably going to be making fun of about how terrible they were because of just the innovation oh, yeah. that we're seeing. We're going to look back that. at cars with two hundred fifty miles and think that was why would anyone? I cannot buy that? believe why didn't you ride a bicycle? And yeah, two hundred fifty like miles that. is crazy. I think what to me a lot of this boils down to is. I'm kind of terrified at how fast cars are going to be on the road in the next 25 years when the majority of cars can do zero to 60 in even under three seconds, all of them. Like, let's not even go the two seconds. That's yeah. yeah so is wild. that the, is that the future where like all these motors, all these materials get so good and so cheap with scale that mm -hmm. like every car anyone can buy will do 2.5 seconds, zero to 60. Is that real? I guess maybe. I think that's real. Oh, it's so I guess the um the counterpoint to that is what is and we've talked about this before, what will prevail? Specs, pure driving specs or autonomy? Autonomy. Autonomy. <laughs> uh, I think it's a it's a toss up because it's a general it's a generational thing to me. I think most people who drive cars today aren't really too concerned about their car eventually becoming a robo-taxi or driving them everywhere. Yeah. But I think m many younger people are very open to like autonomous driving and yeah. totally comfortable with the I tech. would give up all the funds of driving to be able to sleep in my car on my commute. Yeah, I think you'll see a lot more younger people fall in that category and a lot older I'm people. The I'm people, not 30. But the people with the buying power, buying all these cars True, are yeah. typically like, yeah, I want a driver's car. I think so. it also might, it could even potentially be another generation because I think we're way farther from like full-blown robo-taxi. Farther than we think. Car. We're really far away. Yeah, despite that. Elon saying next year, every year for the last <laughs> yeah. 10 years. Yeah. So, um, no, I think it's interesting. They, it's kind of a random tidbit they threw in there. I'm rooting for, I'm rooting for more good EV options. Yeah. So I think the sooner Lexus is able to uh, deliver, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, audio yeah. listeners, <laughs> the better, but that might not be for a while. I'm, I'm excited for Toyota in general, just because of their sheer volume and scale, like compared yeah. to everyone else. I think the sooner they jump on this, the sooner, the better it is for everybody. Um, but yeah. What happens first, the two Lexus seconds? sub two second zero to 60 car? Or the Roadster comes Or the out. Roadster. <laughs> it's the Roadster. The Roadster will come out before that. That's That might be the only thing I can solidify. We, we just got another Tesla event. 
And Elon went on stage again and said oh. next year again. So oh, he said that. Yeah, the yeah. I watched the live stream of the the they did the Tesla uh, Texas Gigafactory grand opening, mm -hmm. and they had the Cybertruck on stage naturally. And they said we're going to start production of this next year. And I I replayed to specifically hear his language. He said, and then Roadster. So he didn't say Roadster will also be 2023, but he said, yeah, we're going to start Cybertruck production next year. Oh, and then Roadster. Okay. And then Road. So that's that promise sounds about as good as this. We'll have a 400 mile. Yeah, it might not be. That's vague. It's going to be a while. Also, can I quickly say about that Cybertruck event? I feel like Tesla fans made that event seem worse than it was because everyone in Tesla wants some grand scale event every time something happens. And it was just opening a new Gigafactory. Like you're yeah. allowed to have fun events to open a milestone of something. It, without it being a huge announcement. To me, it made me, I don't invest in any companies that I cover, but watching that event, I was like, oh, I should buy Tesla stock. Wow. Mm. Like they they talked about scale. They talked about leveling up. How many gigafactories are we going to have five years from now? They're going to start yeah. having uh, the ability to bring prices down because it's more economical to just make the car in the country where it will be delivered instead mm -hmm. of shipping them. All this stuff. They talked a big talk. But yeah, there was no new products to announce or anything no, like that. And that's so. totally fine. Companies yeah. are allowed to do that. Also, this is not financial advice, just because yeah. you mentioned stock. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> trivia? Yeah, let's do a trivia and then ad break. <laughs> trivia. I'm ready. So this episode, we've been talking about the DeLorean. Yep. The original DeLorean from Back to the Future that was released in 1985 could famously travel through time. What is the name of the fictional car part that made time travel possible? Mm. I almost said it out loud. We're waiting till the end. Yes. Yeah. Fine. We're waiting till the end. I kind of don't know, but I'll figure it out by then. Be right back. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. Support for this show comes from NetSuite. And that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about the state of right to repair. Mm -hmm. We got a little bit of an update. So you remember back in November mm -hmm. when Apple announced their self-service repair program? They talked yes. about making all these kits for you to be able to do, what was it, screen 
battery camera or something like that. I forget if they said exactly what it was, but it was like some, I, I can official only assume, parts. Yeah, official parts, screen and battery are usually the main things. I'm still yeah. not sure about camera. That seems really complicated. Sort of like, the, yeah, full the module, yeah. high level stuff. We haven't heard a lot about that since then. We were very excited. It seemed like a win for right to repair, but if you sort of follow up on that, it seems like it hasn't really made a whole lot of progress, maybe. Yeah, and the, there's a couple things that made us think about this. One is Brandon just cracked the back of his iPhone. This was a great, and then what happened? And then he asked them about the self-service repair, and the person at the store had no idea what he was talking about. It's an anecdote, but it's kind of a it's very anecdotal, indicator. But yes, um, yep. strange. And then we also have seen recently, in other news, on the other side of the stage, um, that Google and Samsung have partnered with iFixit recently yeah. to start offering ways to repair your phone. I thought that was really interesting. I, I like really iFixit. Like it. I love iFixit. And what they do, what they've already done is they've had like a certain set of like, you can buy a tool set and you can buy the, the certain, like a Penelope screw yeah. or whatever other pent to something screws to be able to take apart whatever phone you have. Uh -huh. You know, you pry the screen off, get the glue open. But they're going to actually partner with iFixit to offer kits with official parts of older devices so you can buy the kit for your phone yep. and repair whatever is broken. Pretty yeah. cool. Uh, what do we see? It's going to be well, down to Google offering as old as Pixel 2 parts. That I love. Yeah, Google just jumped on. Samsung jumped on already. Google's going to go down to the Pixel 2. Mm -hmm. Samsung only says around S20. Okay. Um, we also have a little view into what this might entail because... They weren't, uh, I don't know if they were official parts, but it, I looked on iFixit's website and they actually have old S8 battery kits um, or screen kits, I forget. And um, it's kind of neat because the iFixit kit we have is they're like full blown, like you can fix almost anything with this. Mm -hmm. um, their old kits for the S8, it came with a couple, just the tools you needed for that specific repair. Yeah. So you're not spending a bunch of extra money, you're getting the part and you're getting the pieces you need. And then what iFixit is, is like a giant, free manual repair uh, instructions, I guess, and like videos and how to be able to do it and to make you feel comfortable being able to do it. Yeah. Um, so they're really awesome with that. Um, it seems like we're not totally sure what we're gonna be able to fix between both of them. Um, Samsung apparently glues their batteries to screens, so that's kind of weird. Hmm. Um, so people think if you have to replace one, you're gonna have to replace both. Right. Because of that, or that the part will most likely include a battery glued to a screen. Okay. So somehow you manage to, <laughs> you know, have a really bad battery, and then you also break the screen. You're in luck. That's probably going to be way easier to uh, economically to repair. Yeah. And, but it's going to probably cost more. Interesting. Uh, and then for Pixel, it looks like we have like battery and screens. I mean, I think most of these things are what we would want it's, to fix at home. Yeah, typically you don't do the most complex part repairs solo, mm -hmm. but the simpler ones, you don't want to have to rely on like, oh, I need to send my phone away for two weeks while someone just yeah. fixes a cracked screen. Like I can do that myself. So offering the simple ones is a good step. Mm -hmm. If I do crack my screen, I do have a bit of a crack on my, I don't do have you? it here, the Pixel 6 Pro. Um, it's not a crack actually, it's a deep scratch that is dangerously close to being a crack, but it's a deep oh, scratch really? right now. So I, I'm keeping an eye on it, but that's the type of thing you want to be able to do yourself. Well, so And batteries and screens are clearly the most common as well. So yeah. it's lucky that those are the ones. Um, They did say that they won't be offering like full-blown boards to uh, not change surprised. things in there, which, yeah, it, that's not something we're going to really 
be expecting because those are super complicated and obviously not as it's hard to even diagnose whether that's the issue with the phone or not true where a screen is obviously a broken screen and a battery is an issue with turning it on or holding a charge so that's much yeah. easier and on top of this microsoft and valve are also apparently in working with iFixit to offer spare parts as well for things like the Steam Deck, which we just covered, yep. which is awesome. And Steam has been really good about talking about how like this will be repairable. This will be something that you can dive into and get yeah. into the innards of it. And then Surface laptops as well. Um, nice. Yeah. You I think see the story? I had a tidbit about this in the review, but apparently okay. the Steam Deck, if you open it up, mm-hmm. I mean, there's it's weighted pretty well and they filled up like the grips with a lot of stuff, but there's enough room in one of the grips to fit an entire air tag. I did see that actually. So yeah. You can open it up, put an air tag in there and close it and use it like normal. It yeah. might feel a little off balance by the weight of an air tag. Oh, Not man. so bad. Yeah. But that is your lost and found feature if you happen to want to do that. I'm rant side here now because we're up, but like I'm so excited for what people are going to do with the Steam Deck. I think we had a ton of fun with it, but neither of us are really handheld gamers. So, like, I don't think we got to even get close to seeing what people are going to unlock. In, like, two years, the modding community behind this thing, especially when the dock comes out, is going to be really, really cool. It's already getting started. I still wish the USB-C port was on the bottom, but Mm -hmm. I get... Because you've seen the dock, what the renders are. Yeah, It's just going to be like a cable up to the top to Mm -hmm. plug it in, and then you dock it, whatever. But yes, there's... It's a stand with a fancy right-angle cable. Exactly. But it's got a lot... You're right. It's got a lot going for it right at the beginning already, sort of what I talked about at the end of the video. But yeah, the Steam Deck has a future ahead of it, which is really exciting for that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Right to Repair is, is sort of on the, like, come up all the time. I feel like we always have something new we're looking forward to seeing from some company, uh, but yeah, th- those two specifically with Google and Samsung, I really like, and I hope I actually get to like use one. I, I mean, I, it's really awesome. We've also talked about an idea for like a studio channel video where we potentially like race to fix a phone. Cause I don't think oh, any of us have fully like replaced a screen or a battery, right? It's tough to get, well, I have, I ha- only, have beca- only for a video, but yes, like the, when we took about, the, we took apart the, the red iPhone. Put it back together to work though. It works. Yes. Did it? Oh, and I also. It up. To sh- sorry, uh, interrupt on here. One of the things they will also include is the the like OEM rubber gaskets for waterproofing and stuff like that, which is nice. huge because when you do stuff by yourself without OEM parts, that's basically you're basically turning your phone into not being IP rated unless you're very good at it. And they even some of the companies even said like you should probably replace those every couple of years because they get worn hmm. out. So yeah. that's also really really cool. Um, we have talked about right to repair in the past, and I think a couple things actually moving forward in terms of lawmaking mm-hmm. is what might be finally pushing this. We saw the we talked about repairability scores in France. That's a really big thing, and they actually did a report out there that said like sixty to eighty percent of people, if they saw repairability scores, they would pick the phone, whether they were part of that phone ecosystem or not, would pick the one with the better repairability score. So all other things equal they'd pick the phone with the better repairability score. Because that's not always true about, like, you can't always apples to apples phones no, like that. I think it was a little better than that. I think it was, the the survey question was, if you had been using one phone for a long time, but mm-hmm. in the option of picking a new phone, you saw the better repairability score 
than the phone you were used to, they would pick the one with the better repairability score. Sure. So still probably similar price ranges and stuff like that. There's yeah. obviously reasons to potentially buy something. Yeah, just because I remember, you know, when I talked about repairability, like we noticed that the more repairable something is, it's built different. Mm-hmm. Like you can go, you can go all the way to the top ten out of ten and you get a fair phone. Yeah. But are people going to go to the ten out of ten and exactly. get a fair phone, or are they going to go to the five out of ten and get something that they like more? Yeah. Or so that's there's there's all sorts of sliders to play with for these companies making phones. But I like yeah. that that's being highlighted. Mm-hmm. And I think the U.S. is also they've been recently adding some bills that have right to repair things inside of them because we also. Uh, here have a lot of stuff with like tractors and stuff as well and a lot of fights oh, for right to repair yeah. there. So I'm sure some of these companies are starting to see the writing on the wall that this might happen. So get, get ahead, ahead of the it. game while you can. <laughs> yeah, Good for all of us. Um, great for iFixit. Not because they're partnering, but just because they've been fighting for this for so Does long. Does iFixit need competition? I mean, I love iFixit, I'm but every, sh- everyone needs competition, right? Maybe there uh, yeah, should be, everyone uh, needs competition. I wonder if there is some. I, I'm more giving them credit because they've been fighting this fight for a really, absolutely. really long time. Absolutely. And we appreciate that. Sick. All right. I think we've got one more trivia question before we hit another break. Yeah. And then we'll talk about YouTube comments. Okay. So we've been talking about Apple, Samsung, Google, everything like that. Um, we know Steve Jobs founded Apple and Larry Page and Sergey Brin founded Google. But who founded Samsung? Hmm. Who founded Samsung? Think on it. I will think about that. We'll be right back. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. 
Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. All right, we're back. And we're back on YouTube to talk about YouTube comments. So I, we've talked about this for a while, inevitably with like tweets and other random videos and people have talked about it uh, between creators before, but YouTube's comments go through like this ebb and flow of like lots of spam, not that much spam, lots of mm -hmm. spam, lots of, not, not that much spam. <laughs> and basically what that comes down to is there is always gonna be bad actors on mm -hmm. YouTube that are going to try to use the YouTube comments or use YouTube in some way to scam people, to go try to deceive people into going to Telegram or WhatsApp or like leaving the site and getting money from these people, et cetera. Yeah. There's always gonna be those people. And so YouTube's always chasing those people around the site, adding rules, uh, adjusting auto moderation, things like that to try to hide those comments and to try to make it harder for bad actors to operate. But if you're chasing, you're always going to have them find something new before you catch it. Yeah. And it feels like the latest wave has been like five months of lots and lots of comments of specifically it'll be a bot. This is what I've noticed on my own channel. Mm -hmm. uh, I talked about this in the video on the main channel. But it'll be a bot that has my profile picture and then has a name that says like Marquez Brownlee message me on Telegram here mm -hmm. and maybe even a number. And, and then it'll say like, congrats, you're the winner of the giveaway or something like that. And, you know, to me, that that's obviously a scam. Like, why would you click that? It's yeah. dumb. But I started getting emails from people who, who'd send me a screenshot saying, hey, is this you? And I'd be like, no, that's, you can ignore that. It's spam. And then I get a couple more emails saying, hey, is this you? I message them. It says it's you. I'm like, no, it's not. And then more and more emails from people saying, hey, I sent the payment. Mm -hmm. Am I going to get the thing? Hey, I, this is this you, is this you? And it would get to the point where like, I think maybe two, three weeks ago, it was like, I'd wake up and my inbox would have like seven, eight, nine new emails from people who'd sent money to people. I got screenshots of conversations and things like that. And so, you know, not that there was like a certain tipping point, but I just made a video talking about it because this is clearly something that we need to see a YouTube end fix for. Mm -hmm. I say a YouTube end fix because we have other tools that have been made by people, uh, Theo Joe being the primary example of he made a tool that will allow a creator to run a script that will automatically delete a bunch of comments. It'll actually detect much better than YouTube's own system mm -hmm. a bunch of these specific types of spams. Um, on my latest video, if you ran the tool, there was like 40 accounts There's that left like 1,700 comments. 30% of the comments. It was 30% of the total comments yeah. on the video, 6,000 total comments on this video, and it was just covered. I mean, because they just go to the latest comments and just reply to every single yeah. one with a different account, and they've gotten around the latest tools, which would be like if you hide a user from channel, that will automatically remove all of that user's comments from the channel, but they just make so many different accounts mm -hmm. that you haven't hidden any of the other messages. So... <laughs> All that to say, uh, you know, I've, ha I've had conversations with YouTube plenty of times and I've had conversations with them since then. They've been working on this. 
Um, and since that video, they've actually rolled out a new tool, which is a little checkbox you can enable on your videos, which I like when it's a user side thing. Mm -hmm. I don't want it to just be like a huge YouTube update rolls out that you have yeah, no control yeah. over. I can check this box that says increase strictness. Yeah, it's the sub, it's like a sub box to the- um, To the auto moderation already Yeah, their auto moderation, yeah. Yes, so if I feel like this is something that's happening on my, on my videos, which it is, on my latest video, I enabled this box and I clicked increase strictness. Yeah. Seems like this should solve or help the problem. Um, we did upload a video as of our recording, maybe like 15 hours ago or something like that. Yeah. So I've been going back through and I'm still seeing a lot of these bot comments. I haven't gotten as many emails. I don't think I've gotten any I since the new video. Any, yeah. But I do still see a lot of these comments. And so we'll see over time if this new stricter automod actually makes a difference. But generally, like I like to see that YouTube is actually responsive to this stuff. It just seemed like this one took forever. This, and you say that you just saw this on your channel, but like we've seen around Linus made a video on this. This is not just a just our channel thing. This oh, is yeah. all over YouTube. I started seeing a bunch of different creators that I do. James Hoffman was saying it. He's not in tech at all. I think Mr. Beast has ones who are just like offering money and they're they're even going on other channels. Mm -hmm. Channels that are like semi-related to Mr. Beast or that Mr. Beast viewers might watch. And being Mr. Beast, I think I had someone email us saying they got a you comment on somebody else's tech channel. Yeah. So like it's happening absolutely everywhere. Um, and it's it's really a bummer to see it happen. Um, yeah. I didn't see as many on this latest video when I checked comments this morning. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe it's helping a little bit. So now it's not straight up deleting them, it's holding them in the like potentially inappropriate comments. Which means they don't show up on the channel. Yes, which is the yeah. most important thing. Yeah, yeah, I think my, the way I kind of thought about this was like, Anytime I, you know, I talk about this stuff, I like hear from YouTube about how they're approaching the problem yeah. and I can't even shed too much light on it. Obviously, when they're chasing bad actors, they need to keep their methods confidential. Yeah. Otherwise, bad actors can see the way they're being chased and adapt. But when I look at YouTube comments, the thing that I noticed about this particular version of the spam mm -hmm. is they find like this, this nice like middle zone of timing where they can get away with a lot of comments. So... When I first upload a video and the first hour has 1,200 comments or something like that, I'm hanging out in the comments, I'm replying, I'm talking to people, liking things, pinning things, replying and all that stuff. And so I'm in the comment section and people expect to see me. Mm -hmm. And if there's any sort of spam, it's quickly either blocked by a bunch of people because they'll report it and there's a lot of activity or I'll see it and I'll remove it. Then in the long, long tail, this is on the total opposite end of like a five day old video, it, there's not enough activity for those bots leaving all those comments to actually get any sort of ROI. Maybe some people have notifications on and they'll see it and they'll think it's me, but like why, why would I be replying on a five-day-old video? Yeah. So what these bots do is they find this nice little Goldilocks zone of like a 12-hour to 36-hour-old video where it's still getting a fair amount of activity, but it's no longer me in the comments the whole time like it would be if it was brand new and they've swarmed in and replaced what looks like would be me in the comments section and are just replying to everyone. So there's a good amount of activity still, but not enough for people to be like flagging it and getting them removed. And there is enough for them to get a lot of engagement and feedback 
and get people to fall and, for and it. And to feel believable that you could still be in the comments. I yeah. could still be on a 36 hour old video telling yeah, people Yeah, I mean, it want. could be like the next day you're checking something like that. Um, yeah. yeah. And one other thing that they did do, which you mentioned, um, they added the being able to ban a whole channel from all of your videos. Mm-hmm. The issue with that is when you look at Theo Joe's, like when he ran the script on our thing, it's like 40 plus accounts and mm-hmm. all of them can just make new accounts. So it, it kind of feels like here's a way of doing it, but you almost have to have someone full time on your videos finding these channels every single time and banning them manually yeah. only for them to probably come back. That's like hours and hours of work to be yeah. able to stop it. Before they launched, before they adjusted that feature to actually hide all previous activity, I would have had to have manually removed 2000 comments, which is never gonna happen. That's, now yeah. with this, with the new tool, at least it will remove all activity from one account. I think the top one left 110 comments on yeah. one video. Mm-hmm. How that doesn't get picked up as spam, I don't know. But you could at least go through and start to pick off like this one left 50 comments, remove all of them. This one left 40 comments, remove all of them. This one left 90 comments, remove all of them. And you can make it a little bit more of a dent that way. But it's just, it's so much work to do that, that you just want YouTube's auto moderation to take care of it. I think in an ideal world, the increased strictness and auto moderation uh, can take care of all of these very obvious to my eye spam accounts. Yeah. But the feature I suggested, which would be don't let people use the word telegram in their username or just let me block my own name from usernames on my channel um, would take a long time to implement and it's just not an option right now. So we are hoping that this increased strictness tool, which I think can also evolve over time can eventually make a dent in the spam. I'm keeping an eye on it because I'm in the comments section all the time. I'm seeing this stuff happening in real time. But so far, no emails of people getting tricked so far. So far, yeah. And like, in case you haven't heard this before, don't respond. If it doesn't have a verified check mark, like we will only ever contact you through verified means. It's usually going to be a Twitter DM, Instagram DM, or an email from our official MKBHD. Yep. email account. account like those are the only ways we're never going to contact you on a text message or telegram or whatsapp yeah like sorry just keep keep an eye on that out on that it's yeah. uh the smart thing to do on the internet if you think something might be a scam it's a scam that's my what i always think when it's i'm a on pretty the good rule of thumb yeah. Yeah. it's probably a scam that was the thing is like i'm getting all these emails from people who are like hey uh, this seems a little suspicious that you're on Telegram and like, I just figured I'd send this to your official email. Imagine how many people didn't get that far. Yeah. Like the people who thought through. enough to send me an email probably didn't get scammed. Or if they did, they at least thought about this is probably a scam. There's lots of people who most likely didn't get that far and just thought the whole time without ever emailing me that they were going to get a prize if they just send $150 shipping fee to some random yeah. Telegram account. It's it's really unfortunate. It sounds really dumb to fall for, but like one thing we kind of thought it, they were targeting us for was because we were in the middle of a giveaway as well. Right, so right. We but th- I, I even see it on like it's, a bunch of other channels. It wasn't even because of that. It just happened to yeah. coincide with it really well. Like, but like if you're just getting a, a, a random DM or message from something that looks legit and you know, you don't have the means to be able to get a new iPhone or whatever, and it pops up, you're enthusiastic about it, and you can really easily be blinded by that, and it's a shame, but yeah, there's scammers out there because it works. So. Yeah, I've seen this on Mr. Mobile's channel. I've seen this on Jerry Everything's channel. I've seen this on, I think, Danny Winget's channel. I've seen this on Linus's channel. I've seen this, obviously, on Jimmy's channel. 
and just a bunch of channels in between. Even just this specific version of like impersonating you and getting you on Telegram. I've seen that one on all these channels. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the classic other ones that are like, don't click my profile and it's just some lewd picture or just like copying and pasting a previously high upvoted comment and then bot farming that one to be highly upvoted so it looks legit. All that stuff we've seen before. But like this... The video that I posted was because of this new wave of impersonating us, which I think should be relatively easy to kill. But the point is, YouTube's hopefully working on it. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully steps forward. Yeah. Verified check marks actually mean something, though. They so do. Don't, For sure. Don't ignore them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on that. But I think this is probably the point at the end of the podcast where mm-hmm. we can uh, attempt to answer the trivia questions from the beginning to ad breaks. You're undefeated. You got to keep it going. Well, I'm 2-0. 2-0. So, you know, I'll try I'm to keep, two. I'll try to keep the percentage. I didn't even know what a country was. So <laughs> we'll try to keep it high. Uh, let's revisit those, Adam. Which which are we doing first? This was uh, the DeLorean, right? First? Yeah, so the first question. Back yes. to the Future was released in 1985. The DeLorean in that movie could famously travel through time. What is the name of the fictional car part that made that that made time travel possible. Right. I'm going to let think, you, I know this. Yeah. I'm going to let you go though to make sure that people believe you're still on a streak. The flux, I know, the flux capacitor. Ding, ding, ding. Is that correct? Yep, that's okay. right. And now uh, there's a number here I want to because there's a number I, I associate with this and I believe it's the power needed for the flux capacitor, <laughs> right? right. 1.91 gigawatts? Gigawatts? Gigawatts or gigawatts? It's probably gigawatts. Is 91 the correct number? No. One point nine poop. One four one. Close. One one something one. Right. One point two one. Two one. One point two one gigawatts. Wow. Needed for the flux capacitor. There's just lines in the movie that just like you can't forget them. Like the image is seared in my head. You can forget some of them. Well, I mean the (laughs) flux capacitor part is like Mm -hmm. seared in for sure. That's hilarious. Like I said, the new Delorean needs to have some sort of a reference to flux capacitor. Reference to it. There's no way it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Next one that I have no idea about. <laughs> Andrew, you're, to be clear, your answer for that was also flux capacitor. Yes, yeah, 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 it was flux capacitor. Yeah, we're just I trusting figured. that he knew it. Yeah, I'm trusting. Okay, yeah, I'm, I don't have a streak to defend here. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I can just that's still fair. Okay. Well, it's about to end, so. Yeah. Next question. We know Steve Jobs and Wozniak and the third guy, anonymous <laughs> him? guy, him, yeah. founded Apple, yeah. and Larry Page and Sergey Brim founded Google. But who founded Samsung? Samsung. So... I mean, Samsung's no. a Korean company, right? I assume that's where it was founded. That would be my assumption. I assume. Um, but all I really know as far as like, this is the funny thing, we see who goes on stage on uh, uh, for like Samsung events. And I those are the CEO and like the chief of marketing. And I don't know if those are founders, like the people who go on stage now for Apple aren't I mean, founders. Samsung's been around for long enough that I would kind of guess probably not anymore people people treat dj co like like a legend but i don't know if he's a founder but that's the only person i can think i mean of. that that's probably as good of a guess as we're gonna i can't think of anyone else so uh and but that's just mobile though there's samsung is huge samsung is tvs <laughs> screens they make everything i'm gonna guess it was bixby Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> uh I could give you a hint that's not really a hint because it's not going to help. Go for it. It was founded in 1938. Yeah. Well, yeah, holy cow. a long time ago. So it's not DJ Co. <laughs> <laughs> um, dang. 1938. That's like when you ask, like, well, did you know can that? Can you tell me what their, fr- I'm just interested now. Do you know what their first product was? 
Oh, I could find out. I don't know. Let's I'm see. really because I just I know Samsung makes everything, but in our niche, we are just so focused on phones. So when I think of the Samsung, phone. I think of phone first. Yeah. Even though I also have a Samsung television, there's Samsung washing machines and refrigerators and sound bars and everything. Not smart speakers, unfortunately. I'm but. stalling, but I, I had found out when shooting RetroTech that Nintendo was a card company and started in 1889, which was like... With the name Nintendo? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, way before the oh. Game Boy. They made some old stuff. So okay. that was... Now you know. Yeah. It is. Samsung began as a grocery store. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I mean by they make everything. Okay, so really? who was it? Samsung Electronics started in 1969, according to this, and their first product was black and white televisions. Okay, that, that was a little more. That could yeah. conceivably they're connected. The grocery stores connected. That's 30 years apart, though. Samsung began as a grocery store trading and exporting goods produced in and around the city. It sold dried Korean fish and vegetables as well as its own noodles. I'm gonna guess his name was Sam. I like Bix. Final answer. Forgive my pronunciation. Lee Byung Chul mm. was the founder. Ah, okay. Learn something I, new I, every day. I, it was floating around there. I just couldn't quite. Are they I have still, to give you guys a hard one. Are they still okay. around, like influencing Samsung at all? No. No? No grocery stores happening? Are there, there still, still Samsung grocery? So I'm assuming, did they start <laughs> selling TVs in the grocery store and then it turned into an electronics section? Oh, and God. then that's that's a that's a very reasonable evolution and i guarantee that's not how it went yeah probably <laughs> there's a huh. yeah samsung currently makes everything something. there's everything a whole a whole history i'm looking at this article now they were involved in life insurance there's a whole bunch of stuff they were everywhere wow, wow. Samsung. awesome right. samsung continuing the trend of being part of basically everything yeah all right. right, I'm at 75%, but I feel pretty good about my three out of four. Yeah, three out of four. I'm one for four, so. Not bad. If you even count the I one. Count, I'll so, count okay. it. I'll count it. All right. Well, that's been it for this week. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, we'll probably have a whole bunch more, I guess. Well, I don't want to tease it too much, but we got a, some interesting stuff planned. So yeah. definitely stay tuned here. And we'll be back then. Catch you guys in the next one. Peace. Waveform is produced by Adam Alino. We are partnered with Vox Media, and our intro-outro music was created by Vane Silk. visible we're the wireless company with nothing to hide seriously hidden fees we don't have them annual contracts not our thing great wireless on just one line now that's more like it get unlimited 5g data powered by verizon for just 25 dollars a month taxes and fees included that's right 25 a month every month sorry hidden fees we're just not that into you sometimes the choice is just visible switch today at visible.com rate with service on the visible plan for additional terms and network management practices see visible.com